Um, sometimes I see things at the moment. I think it's probably a sign that I am getting old. I see something. I think that's not really an appropriate use of technology. I mean, we could talk about crypto. You know? <laughs> it's, but you know what I'm saying? It's, there's, mm, there's sometimes mm, you see mm, something, you think, well, that's not necessarily the best way of using technology. Mm, but it's going to be done. Yep, if yep. you can do it, they'll do it. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today we're here with Bill Bennett. Good to see you again, Bill. How are you? I'm good, Paul. Maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this big, bad world of tech. Well, I'm a journalist. I write about technology and business, but most people watching this will know me from a technology writing. I write an awful lot about telecommunications, and I run a, uh, a weekly telecommunications newsletter as well. And on that front of uh, watching, if you are listening to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, which is most of our audience, uh, it is worth mentioning that most weeks, although it doesn't happen every week due to sometimes technical issues or or location, uh, but most weeks you will also find us uh, as well as through your favourite podcast app uh, on the likes of YouTube, X, LinkedIn, Facebook. So if, uh, if you do enjoy video from time to time, then those channels are good. Uh, and we're also working on some upcoming sort of shorter form video content. Uh, so, you know, definitely worthwhile being uh, following us on, on those platforms to uh, get access to that content. Right, well, there's a chunk, uh, Bill, from a New Zealand perspective, some from an Australia, a more global perspective to delve into. Uh, first up, of course, a big thank you to our show partners, 1NZ, 2 Degrees Spark HP and Gorilla Technology for their support. Yeah, looking at uh, at a story that I guess it's it's, it's global as well as local uh, is the latest summit around the Christchurch uh, call. And look, this is uh, this is really interesting to to see that Meta and Google, who seem to be quite uh, you know aligned with the Christchurch call, have not turned up to this uh, latest. Summit. What what do you make of that? As sort of you know the big giants in the tech world, uh, you would think that they need to be, uh, you know, if if nothing else, looking at you know, how they're thought of. Um, so from that yeah. perspective, they should be. Well, uh, you know, you you would expect them, if nothing else, than a PR exercise to turn up. But also, to look like they don't care, isn't it? Yeah, it's I mean, it just it it's, it's, seems it's, seems uh, seems seems very odd. It's not a good look, but you can bet your bottom dollar it's deliberate. And why it's deliberate, and and the rationale behind that, the actual rationale as opposed to what's being said, we don't really know. But mm. yeah, it's not a good look. It doesn't reflect well on those companies, and um, it's and it's at a time when this kind of issue to do with protecting people online. Um, the problems are getting worse, infinitely worse than they were a few years ago. Um, they get, they're getting much worse. And yet the, the big tech firms seem to have been cutting back on their commitment to doing any, anything about it. I mean, Twitter's decimated its safety team. And that's happened with the other, other online um, giants as well. So it seems like they're, they're kind of giving up, shrugging their shoulders and giving up on the problem. That's what it appears um, like from outside, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, it's an interesting take. I, I remember when when we, we were talking around 
you know, particularly the role of Meta and Facebook, and you know that that they you know they were obviously live streaming yeah. some of what uh, you know what took place in, in, in terms of the terrorist uh, attack in Christchurch. And at that time, there was a lot of you know criticism that this was you know, al- allowed to happen on the platform. And you know, I guess my sort of point was sort of pushing back on on some of that was well, look, we don't want that content to be there, but the technology is not necessarily you know developed to to the extent that we that we will get you know quite the results that we that we might. Like without the false positives and 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 so on, um, do you think maybe the technology's advanced enough where you know the social media companies and so on have have yeah. got the confidence that actually our tech does a good job of this? We've got enough reporting mechanisms. Well, this, um, this we, t- we we can step back. We're yeah. not going to be showing the, the 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 worst stuff that we used to show. Yeah, there's two parts to that. The first is is you're right um, what you say, but the other thing is, is it's incredibly hard to get hold of these companies. If you if you spotted something like this going on, how do you get hold of Google? Who do you call at Facebook? And and how do you how do you make things happen? Then they're really not responsive in that way. They're, they and they deliberately make it hard for you to get hold of them mm, because they don't want to be bothered mm, by people mm, all day. Mm, calling mm. that's that, that's not their business model. They just they really don't give a stuff about that side of it. So that's yeah. that's the first thing. The second thing is is these are the companies who are selling us AI really heavily, Yeah. right? Yeah. They, they're making a big song and dance about all the wonderful things that AI can do. Well, get off your backside and make AI do something about this. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. That should be your number one priority. It shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be what your AI team is is working on right now. And and um, you'd, you'd hope that at a summit like this, they turn up and say, Guys, we've got the answer. It's called AI. You know, we've we've spent a billion dollars or whatever developing this thing. We've fed it all the abusive video that we found uh, come through our systems, and it's and we're not. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to protect an awful lot of people. Mm, mm. And they're not. And that's that. Just it just does not make them look good at all. I mean, increasingly, these companies and of course um, Twitter or X. They're increasingly look like you just don't care about these things at all. Mm. Now, on the flip side, we've got you know, this massive increase in generative AI, yeah. which can be you know can be used for good, can be used for for bad. That you know, I guess this is part of what the Christchurch call uh, is is looking to face and address is you know re- reducing those sorts of uh, issues. And look, you know, without the the big players uh, participating, it uh, it seems seems to me that uh, they're going to be in for uh, they're going to be in for a few few challenges. That that said, um, and I understand that they have you know they they have been building and adding new uh, new members to the Christchurch Call yeah. uh, adv- advisory uh, network. And um, you know, artificial intelligence is, is certainly um, part of that. Discord and and Vimeo have come on board, but and it's, and it's big, not as though Meta and or and Google have sort of aren't connected. It's just that they you know they haven't sent representatives to the meeting, which could be 
could well be, I think you're alluding to, there's some political things yeah. going on there. There's maybe some dissatisfaction uh, you know, with, with certain aspects of how things are operating. Right? I, th I think so. The other thing is, I think one of the big uh, AI companies was involved this time as well. Um, Open AI. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think, I've, I've heard some talk that governments, um, perhaps not the US government, certainly not the Russian or the Chinese governments, but some governments, have, um, in, particularly in Europe, are starting to talk in terms of making these companies liable for the damage they cause. Mm. That'll get them to the table. <laughs> yeah, it does, but potentially you break a whole lot of other sort of yeah. smaller little yeah. you know, little businesses and innovative you exactly. know, entities because you've, you've put in something that really only a trillion-dollar firm can... Uh, can participate in. Yeah, interesting your point though around you know the the AI companies uh, coming to the table. So OpenAI have joined and also had an Anthropic, um, who are really very heavily focused on on the safety uh, aspects. So you know that's going to be interesting to see you know, how the how these how these things sort of you know play out. With their involvement now, you know I don't know how much uh, capacity you know Open AI have. They, you know, they're moving at a very, very fast pace with their new releases and and capabilities and so on. And they've built a, I don't know what valuation you'd put on it, but a, I don't know, a hundred billion <laughs> plus sort of you know value organisation a very short space of time with a small team. You know, I imagine they're under all sorts of uh, pressure. And if they don't get this stuff right, that will it will really hurt them. So they they um, you know hopefully taking things seriously in terms of uh, balancing the use of uh, of their technology. Yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm reasonably um, happy with how that's that's the growth of it, but I'm not. I mean there's there there is something behind Meta and Google staying away, mm -hmm. and I think. I'd really like to know exactly what that is. And, and I think you're right, it's, it's something political. Um, the media attention didn't mention X um, either way, actually. So mm. there's, we can probably drill in and, and find that. I'll see whether we can find something on <laughs> on what, what's, uh, what's Musk's crew up to. Um, now, moving on, um, some interesting stuff I um, saw in the... Uh, it was in the Otago Daily Times uh, around technology that's that's being um, put to use. There's an annual uh, symposium for uh, ECMO. Don't know if you know what uh, what that stands for, Bill. I've got it written down here. Yeah. Extra uh, corporeal membrane oxen oxygenation. Um, ECMO for short, uh, which is a, an advanced uh, therapy um, that has been put to use to do the work uh, of the heart and lungs when a patient's own organs are, are you know, too sick, too weak to do that. And there's been this uh, this this coverage sort of come through around you know, this the the technology, and yeah, it's interesting to uh, to to see. Uh, I guess you know New Zealand as a as a you know smaller country, um, you know over time, you know we're continually getting access to new technologies that help from a, a medical standpoint. But we do have the issues with you know what what do you do when and in this case the uh, that technology 
is only available uh, in Auckland, and the the things I'm reading say, hey, you've got to uh, you've got to get people, you know, when they're when they're uh, um, you know having issues, you've got to get them plugged into the technology, ideally within an hour. So there's um, well, that's yeah, quite. Well, the pit you're missing is that this is in, this is happening in the South Island, mm. and the South Island and and the technology is really good if you get exposure because if you have severe exposure, that's when your uh, organs start to not work. Yes. So the technology is really helpful with people recovering from exposure. Well, there aren't many places in Auckland where you're going to freeze and, that's, <laughs> you know, and have true. exposure, yeah. but yeah. there are in the Southern Alps mm, and so on. Mm. So getting it close to them is obviously is 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 part of the story here. Um, the other thing is, though, is that we're, because we work in tech, we're, we're very used to the idea of something comes in and it's hideously expensive when you've got like a few prototypes around and then mm, by the time mm. you get to the third or fourth generation, um, you know, you can people can afford them and, and it's it becomes affordable. That doesn't tend to happen with medical technology. In, I mean, sometimes it does, but it doesn't always happen with medical technology. So... I mean, there are medical technologies which which have gone through that same curve. But this, it seems to me, is something which is always going to be a little bit more expensive and a little bit, um, you know, out of reach that way. So I think that the idea of having some of that technology down near where people are going to get exposure is good. But, you know, if you're in the Southern Alps and something goes wrong, then mm. you're probably not going to be an hour from the base station, let alone... Um, that that equipment, so um, it's not like it's not like the defibrillators, which you know get them on ambulances and so on. You know, you can have the you can have one um, delivered to your door in in minutes if you're you know if you're going about it properly. Um, so I think it's probably going to stay a little specialist and a little bit away from that for a while yet. But eventually, eventually you'll have you'll probably have portable kit that can do mm. this. Well, I guess there's kind of that that journey. You talked about some of it as the sort of cost coming down. Some of it's just the awareness of what the technologies are that are actually going to going to help, so that um, you know the funds start getting allocated and and these things become available. But yeah, you did you did right. Um, it's it's these you know, colder colder regions where we we're likely to see you know. Um, you know, I guess um, certainly in, from an alpine perspective and, and so on, uh, you know, more issues when it comes to comes to uh, hypothermia. But I, I guess you know, we, at, at different times we see uh, there being there being issues from this perspective anywhere in the country. But I mean, it's uh, cold in Dunedin half the year. Bring but. on the te- <laughs> technology, I say, bring it on. So uh, yeah, good good to see um, you know these new technologies getting uh, getting a, getting attention. Um, now, something that um, you were you were writing about in your uh, in your weekly uh, download, which is your this is where you write up a, a sort of the I guess the the weekly update on what's happening in the telecommunications world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was interesting that um, we had some traffic peaks during COVID, and there was a traffic peak um, in the last, but the last, not the most recent, but the previous mm. rugby mm. World Cup. The traffic peak. This Rugby World Cup, we didn't see those peak traffic um, numbers, mm. but that's got a lot to do with the fact that the games were taking place at like eight o'clock in the morning mm. or, or whatever, mm. uh, where the the networks weren't already really loaded. But the thing about Fortnite, which is the you know a really popular game, um, is that 
it gets up, it got updated at 3 a.m. Eastern American time. And the reason that they did that in the Eastern United States was so because that's the minimum time on their networks over there. So right, um, so their network's quiet. Let's push it out while the while the network's yeah, yeah, uh, you know not not going to be too stressed and strained by. Yeah, it. but people can set their. I, I think people there will be people who set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- waiting, waiting for right. these things. But there'll be people that can. <laughs> and there'll probably be others that can automate it. And there's probably kids that jump out of bed at three in the morning and press the button. Yeah, but that just so happens that that was nine p.m. peak viewing time for Netflix and. Prime Video and you know all those streaming services yeah. in New Zealand, yeah. and so that we so we hit a new network peak of um, four point six terabytes per second during that download, which is I think a week ago on Monday. Um, that's the highest ever experienced on the on the networks in New mm, Zealand. Mm. Um, but here's the thing, right? In New Zealand, it's a thir- I think it's a thirty two gigabit. Of downloads, it's a it's a big download. Um, most people in New Zealand that were downloading that got that with between five and fifteen minutes because they're on either three hundred megabits per second or a gigabit mm. plan, mm. Um, and you know really fast, really smooth. The network didn't fall over. The network had plenty of capacity. It it just it just went, and people were able to be playing that later that evening. Well. Mm. Mm. Nighttime, really, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Um, but in New Zealand, now in Australia, we we go across the, the Tasman where they got the NBN. Oh, here's where we can start laughing. Yeah, right. <laughs> so most NBN connections are either I think 25 megabits per second or 50 megabits per second. So let's be generous and say 50 megabits per second. There's some that get the gigabit type type speeds yeah, on fiber, but it, but it's not the not the standard. It's not the no, norm. it's not the standard. Right. So if you're on the if you're uh, because some of those MBN speeds are fixed wireless broadband as well. Mm. Um, they were getting, um, if you're on the 50 megabits per second plan, I think it was taking an hour and a half to load. Uh, but if you're on the 25, it was taking more than three hours. And so, um, and, and of course, the same thing in Australia. It, 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 was ha- it happened at about 7 p.m. on Eastern Australian time, mm. which mm. isn't the peak hour on the on the networks, yep. but it is a it's a busy hour on the networks. Yeah. Um. So their networks were um, were shaking a bit. They did. I don't. I don't think they fell over, but they were experiencing sort of, you know, bit of congestion. Mm. But we didn't, mm. and that's that's actually that tells you the value of building that fiber network. You know, start which started in two thousand and nine. Yeah. It's actually times like this when we really see the benefits of that, mm. and of course, mm. um. You know, we, we, we're still getting, like, huge amounts of traffic, but that um, 4.6 terabits per second, that's about 50% higher than the normal nightly peak. So we can get – so so our network's good for 50% over the normal usage. It can cope with that. Yeah. Um, which is good. We, we saw the same thing during COVID when we were getting those huge surges. And the thing about the COVID pandemic was what was happening was um, – but the, the day after lockdown started, people started working from home. Suddenly there was these huge surges of traffic on the net. Mm. But they were happening during the daytime, which mm. you know, normally we get them in the evening peak mm. times. Mm. Mm. But the other thing, the other strange story that I heard about, the, uh, the particularly about the COVID pandemic lockdown times, was 
Chorus and the other networks were seeing these huge, huge spikes of traffic on the hour. And that's because people set up a Zoom call for 12. They don't set up a Zoom call for 1207. So so everyone was just jumping onto a Zoom call or a Teams call at the same moment. And you'd see these big spikes on the hour and these smaller spikes on the half hour. Mm, And that was just mm. that people were scheduling their calls. Now, if we go back to the Australian experience, if you were scheduling your calls on the hour with a network that wasn't coping with the extra capacity, you'd get network problems. So it, that shows you why that headroom is just so valuable. And it's, 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 someone described it to me once, like it's a bit like if you're into um, hi-fi, right? It's a bit like having that headroom there so that when it peaks, it copes with the peaks. You know, you don't get like this awful crappy sound when the, when, when, you know, uh, when the Brandenburg concerto kicks off or something. Um, and it's a, it's it's rather like that. It's being able to cope with those peaks, which is the, which is the really the real value of our network. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're we're incredibly fortunate to have you know such a resilient and and robust you know network that has you know had had superb design, uh, and you know we we just all benefit from that. You know, I guess um, you know we benefit every day, but it's at those sort of peak times when. You know, you might expect there to be dramas, and yeah. and there aren't that you you realise just how how good it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's something we do really well in this country. Now, um, there will no doubt be be other updates, and and we will <laughs> won't, won't probably be too far off before there's some other uh, trigger that that means that we hit uh, you know another. Uh, peak that's uh, that's higher still, um, but I wanted to drill in uh, a little bit to talk about um, some gadgets before we move into some of the sort of Australia uh, news. You and I, we've both been uh, reviewing the um, the latest from Apple in terms of their new iPhones, iPhone 15, uh, 15 Pro Max. Um, I'm keen to hear your experience. I've just got back from uh, you know, a week or, or ten, to, or maybe it was nine days uh, away overseas in uh, in Singapore and India. I've uh, spent some time uh, also with the the new iPhone uh, in the South Island, a uh, few flights, and, uh, and going up Fox Glacier. Um, so I've really had a chance to sort of you know, I guess you know, put it through its paces to uh, to to some. Uh, to some degree, and um, yeah, have been I I think um, really impressed on the the photographic and the video side of it. Uh, for me, the extra zoom that they've built into the 15 Pro Max, the five time zoom, uh, is just it just really uh, really adds something to to the iPhone. And I found that uh, in in India especially. Um, but even even when I've been here at home, sort of shooting video, having that five times uh, zoom just kind of you know opens up a whole new level of usefulness. And when you compare between the sort of the wide angle shot, and um, you know I've done this a number of occasions, you do a wide angle shot, and it's like oh that's very interesting, you know right up to your your five times, which is you know it's an optical zoom, so you're getting a you're getting a good quality. Uh, video or or still frame, 
that it's, it's just so useful being able to get that much closer. Uh, and, and of course, you know, we've got, um, you know, uh, a, a range of, of competition on the, the Android side, but for those that are in the iOS uh, camp, you've, you know, you've only got one choice. You've got what Apple releases when they, when they release them. And to me, I think this is certainly one of those things that will, um, you know, will help Apple you know, probably hold and, and, and attract uh, more customers as just at the, on the, the photo and the video side they're, they're you know, delivering, I think, really, really strongly at this point. Now, there's probably some interesting questions around life of our devices. How often do we need to be replacing our phones? And, you know, in this decade now, we're not necessarily seeing the same sort of scale of, you know, technological improvements year to year, right? What, what are the things that have sort of stood out to you, Bill? Well, the first thing is um, it really is professional quality video um and what i was quite blown away by was not just the zoom itself but the fact that the picture stays stable you know mm, mm. you'd imagine if you've got five times zoom. i mean if you think back to older analog cameras if you have a lot of zoom and you're shaking like that <laughs> yeah. it, it really notices yeah but that yeah. that didn't happen i mean that, so the so stabilization the stabilization is, is very helpful to go yeah. with that zoom yeah. it's really good yeah um, but I, I think the, the key thing is is that Apple is it it's got it calls it the Pro and the in fact the Pro Max we're talking about um, it calls it the Pro though it really is professional quality in every sense of uh, of what it what it's capable of doing and Apple used it to create the video for the um, the M3 chips and if you look at that video if you go back and have a, and have a look at it it doesn't look like it was done on a on a phone, probably not something anybody would have would have uh, would have been guessing until they announced, no, until announced, they announced that. It at the end, yeah. uh, not that I would have thought anyway. No, but it was quite. <laughs> it looked, was quite looked the, superb. Yeah, it's quite the moment. Um, I I don't tend to take a lot of video with my phone because of the nature of my work. Um, if I'm if I go to a, if I go to something as a journalist, I will take photographs. And one of the frustrations that I've had with previous camera phones, in fact, what the reason why I always take a, a digital SLR with me to a big job, particularly if I was covering a conference or something, was because I could be sat towards the back of the um, the hall because sometimes, because quite often that's where the journalist tables are because we've got because we need tables because we stick our laptops on them. Um, so I'll be back there, and then something happens on stage. You want to get a photograph, and well. The digital SLR and the Zoom would cut it for me. This can do that, so I no longer have to take the digital SLR with me. And I'm finding that I've actually get that out of its box less and less. Um, in fact, now that I now that I mention it, I don't think I've got it out of its box this year. Mm. Um, poor old thing, it's probably getting a bit lonely. <laughs> but uh, um, but until this year, I think I would have um, you know would have used it. You know, maybe monthly um, at, at, at jobs um, as a journalist. Don't need it anymore, really. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's and I th- I think we've kind of hit that point. Having said that, the other thing I think about is, and I mentioned this before we came on on air for the podcast, was as I said, it really is a professional device. But I still think that that's the one that a lot of consumers are going to buy 
um, because they're going to want the latest and greatest. But I reckon that probably half those people buying it, they find their needs satisfied by a less expensive iPhone. Probably, um, you know, the Pro or even the iPhone 15 would probably meet most of those people's needs. Um, I, I use the... This time around, I deliberately used the iPhone 15 for a month before getting into using the, uh, the the Pro Max, because normally you do it the other way around. Normally you look at the flagship, the, the you know the really fancy thing. And I thought, no, no I, I want to just get the experience the other way around. And you do notice the step up; that that is noticeable. But aside from what I was talking about, my work needing to be able to do zooming and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, the 15 would have been enough. Um, if I if I stopped doing going to conferences and that, then a 15 would be fine. But but for work purposes, it's it's a pro camera. Mm. Now, one thing that's been coming up on the radar a bit more recently, I'm not sure why, and I was talking about this on um, RNZ um, checkpoint last week, was the lifespan of the gadgets that we buy. And look on the on the Android side. Interestingly, the um, certainly the Samsung phones have been if you you know if you're buying at sort of a mid level up, they've been getting better in terms of their software update support. So you're getting more out of your device where it's actually you know supported with software updates. Uh, on the iPhone front, we're about five years. So if you buy a, buy a new device, I think when I looked last week. If you want to run the new, uh, the newest version of iOS, so if you're wanting to be um, be current and you know running your iOS uh, 17, then you're in this position where your phone basically uh, you know has to have been released yeah. in the last five years. Yeah, so I, if I, you, I, if you sort of took when you were making your buying decision and go, oh, I won't buy the current model, I'll buy the last year's or the year before because they're always available cheaper, uh, you're potentially in a position where you buy a new phone and its actual you know, full yeah. uh, support is, is very limited. And well, then there are some people that are buying a sort of second-hand yeah. uh, phone and that puts you in even worse position we and we're getting those scenarios where you know key apps just won't even run let okay, alone but, the security okay, implications I, I need to i need to i need to stop you there okay, right? okay. first of all first of all it it's, it might it may be five years at the moment i haven't checked recently but i know that with the previous generation um it was six so yeah, we've had six before yeah, but it seems to be yeah. five at the moment okay so it seems to be five now but the other thing is is those things don't stop working so if you hand down a five-year-old phone to someone younger they don't stop working you just can't run the latest apps but you probably you probably would struggle to run some of the latest apps in terms of the their demand for processing power and so on anyway so that's not that's not quite the thing it is for a long time apple was ahead of samsung i mean i i don't know if you remember it's probably only five or six years ago when huawei was releasing phones and never upgraded android um, there's there was quite a number of big Huawei launches where there was there was no upgrade ever, um, and um, and Samsung was pretty slack until about five years ago. So it's it it does seem that the rest of the world's caught up with with doing that. Uh, look, 
you're quite right. You should be able to use a phone for longer than five years. But I don't think it's realistic to get 10 years out of a phone. And the other thing is that phones, it's not like a, it's not like a desktop computer where you can, you know, add some more memory or swap out the drive or, or, or even change the processor. You, you can't do a lot of that with a phone. And phones, are, phones have a limited lifespan in, in another aspect in that, A, their batteries start to degrade over time. And B, if there's a 2% chance of you cracking the screen every year, then over the course of 10 years, it's a good chance you crack the screen. You know, yeah, so, but you can you can fix uh, playing the devil's advocate. You can fix those things. Yeah, you right? can. You so can. There, there is that aspect. You can. Um, probably the the bits that concern me around the security updates. I think security updates are really important. So I guess I'm you know I'm starting to think, and and especially because yeah, these devices need to be able to serve not just New yeah. Zealand but across the planet. Right? We're we're talking about you know. India, oh. every other country in the world, if right? You're asking and me, do so I think they should last longer? Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. So that that's yeah. kind of where where I'm at. I would like to see you know Apple extend it. Look, they've set this. They've generally set the standard in terms of look, you know, getting a phone, you know, the most current phone, and how long it will last. I'm just a little bit concerned with it. You know, right now being being five years, and if you bought you know, and, uh, and you know, uh, uh, a model that wasn't their their top sort of cutting edge one, um, that there could be people here who have bought a phone three years ago yeah. who are finding actually, or, f- you know, three or four years ago, that actually those phones now won't take the latest uh, updates. And the, the flow on, and this was sort of the premise of the, um, the discussion um, on, on RNZ with Lisa Ryan was around... Uh, the the challenge then people get into where at at some point and it's not just because you can't get the very latest operating update usually it's you've got to be a little bit further back from that but then you've got people who can't run say their you know bus or transport app or yeah. you know their their banking app no longer runs and their their phone actually gets into a into a state where uh, it isn't it isn't you know much much use at all for the sorts of things that uh, people want to do on them. Um, but well, we've probably sort of gone off on quite a tangent well, from talking uh, I, about the, the latest but latest wanna, and greatest, but I think it's, it's, it's an important topic, isn't it? Yeah, well I, I, well, I have another point to make about that, and that is, is that increasingly companies like Apple and Samsung, um, and let's face it, the rest of the phone market doesn't really matter um, in terms of sales numbers. Um, I, think, I think Apple and Samsung now about 80% of the New Zealand market um, and um, the both those companies would like you to think that they're clean and green, and this will be this will start to count against that image that they would like to, to you know of being clean and green out there. So mm. I, I think mm. you're right. I think it's there's going to be pressure to do that. Increasingly for Apple, they're making so much money from services that I think as long as they got you inside the um, iOS garden <laughs> they're going to be happy you know collecting their um 20 bucks a month for this and ten dollars a month for that for the rest of eternity um so they'll they'll have some incentive to keep those phones running longer but yeah you're right it's it's something which i think increasingly we need to start to think about i mean in fact i've been thinking about that for more than a decade because i remember being really angry back in the time back in the times when you couldn't get any upgrades yeah. and 
uh, there was assumption that you were going to get a new phone every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and there was a point where things were moving so quickly. Uh, yeah, there was much more of a temptation, yeah. and I don't think there's a, there's as much of a temptation. Apple now have this sort of interesting dual strategy, though. So if you look at the iPhone. Uh, 15, you've got to go to the Pro to get the latest chip. That's right. So in theory, one of the um, one of the reasons, and you can you can spin it kind of either way, either you know against say the the 15 or towards the 15 Pro, uh, is there is that lifespan element. So in theory, buying a 15 uh, Pro or Pro Max because it's got the newer chip from 2023 and the 15 runs 2022's chip. You may well find that when we get to whatever that cutoff, yeah. you know, is iOS, you know, twenty two or something, I, I uh, don't that that that, that, that it will be based yeah. on the processor because it's got a it's got a lower end processor. So I can see, I you can know. see why you think that, but I don't think that's how it's going to work. In fact, if, in fact, I think that the point you're making, and um, and and I think that what we can assume is is that there's going to be increased pressure. To make these things last longer anyway, regardless. Um, so I, I think I can see that, and I think that makes a lot of sense. But you know, we're being or, well. The other thing we need to do is we need to do a much better job of recycling the um, the stuff in there. I mean, the, the, there's there's precious metals and so on in there, which I don't want to recycle it when you spend thousands of dollars on a gadget. You want it to last forever. Yeah, but, it need, but when it but when it but when it is finished with, you want to make sure that all that stuff. I mean, I'd much rather there were people recycling those precious metals sure. than having kids dig them up in Africa and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, some 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 good points there, Bill. Um, but I guess yeah, the thing for me when I come back to the iPhone 15 Pro Max in terms of a device that you can go all sorts of places with, I'm I'm really you know f- appreciating that. Um, for me, anyway, the photography yeah. uh, side of it, I've got to say, Apple's move to to uh, put in the USB-C, which their hand was forced on it by the EU, a little bit of discomfort with all the old lightning cables, but realistically, actually, it's made my life uh, a lot simpler because I'm ca- often carrying other gadgets, GoPro, etc., well, uh, and being able to use the same charging cable yeah. that's a... Uh, that's a win. I, yeah, and, and and in fact, that paid off for my last trip because I forgot to take the lightning cable okay. with me anyway. So, um, and and I, the only reason I needed to take the lightning cable was because I've got something which still uses. It. I think it might be the i the AirPods or something. But right, right. But anyway, yeah. um, um, yeah. you're quite right. It's um, it, that's that's a win. The other thing, the other thing which we haven't mentioned, did we? Did you mention this before? The action button. Um, no, not no, not, well, not, not well, at all. It tells you just how little's going on, really. That, that, <laughs> that changing the name and a little bit about how a button functions is seen as a big point. But that um, that action button, I just use it as I always use the old silent mute button. Right, you just use it to, to yeah. make you put your phone onto silent. And, I've and, tried and using that as the but as the camera button as well. Yeah, and that's that's good. But then it, I have to stuff around to get it back to silent mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that becomes—I mean, I'm sure there's ways of streamlining that, but that starts to get a little bit, you know, nerdy for me. And mm-hmm. and, and I, I I can do those things. Yeah, but it's not my prime focus. I, I like the fact that, you, that it is programmable now. You know, gives gives you those options. Um, see people who are using these to 
you know, open the door or open the boot on their Tesla or warm up their vehicle in the morning when it's a cold winter's day and, and, and the like, depending on where you are in the world. Um, so there's all sorts of possibilities. And look, good on them for giving yeah. giving a little bit of um, flexibility there and it's not just, yeah, locked into uh, one thing. On, on that uh, Tesla mention front, a couple of things. In New Zealand, we are about to not, and not, this doesn't just impact Tesla, but uh, we're expecting for the EV rebates to disappear very soon. So the at the moment, probably the most popular EVs that are in stock are uh, you know probably going to be uh, really selling like hotcakes for the next few weeks until uh, until uh, National forms their government and uh, pulls the rug out from under those that are uh, that are buying EVs. On that basis, um, have acquired a new vehicle. Uh, over the weekend, and uh, it was quite interesting actually looking at the uh, the figures and just how low cost the Tesla Model Y is, which I think in a lot of parts of the world is now the number one selling vehicle. Yeah. In US dollars, what we're paying after the rebate in New Zealand, and with a um, you know an affiliate link discount, thirty one thousand eight hundred uh, US dollars for oh. the the Tesla Model Y, which which makes it. You know, not a million miles away from the twenty-five thousand dollars sort of EV that Tesla have talked about for for so long. So yeah, about uh, I think it's fifty-four thousand New Zealand dollars plus. You know, before GST. So for business purchases, which is what uh, we were getting for for Gorilla Technology. So we, you know, we've our our vehicle, our very small vehicle fleet is now uh, EV only. That's a pretty good purchase for a business to be able to make, especially when you look at the you know the the savings and and the you know the other impact of uh, of moving to um, uh, moving to to electric from an environmental perspective. It's incredible the number of New Zealand businesses which which are moving fast to all electric fleets. Mm. Um, I did a story. My my other hat is I I write business stories for the Herald, and I I did a I did an interview which was published last week uh, with waste management and waste mm-hmm. management. You know the people that come around and pick up the bins and things. That's right. Yeah. Um, they're they're moving to an all EV fleet. It's going to take some time because I think they've got the biggest commercial fleet in the country. But um, they reckon that for everything that doesn't need to travel between cities, they can be they can be EVs. You know, in so many years, and that's happening at that's happening at a real pace. I kind of think that the man the uh, the government's missed a trick there. I think that. Um, Cancelling that rebate is is politically unwise move. Um, I'm not sure that they're up to date with what's really going on in the in the shark you know, in the business world when it comes to um, moving fleets to EVs. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be very interesting to f- follow. You know, the impact that it does have. I think we will see the sales of EVs kind of really drop off off uh, you know yeah. a cliff really when when this happens because. You know, yeah. What today? You know, for a GST inclusive price, what is it? I don't know, sixty-two ish. You know, thousand dollars becomes nearly seventy thousand yeah. dollars. Um, you know, or around seventy thousand dollars. You know, over overnight, basically, when that uh, that rebate disappears, it's going to make a make a big difference. So, um, yeah, at the moment, um, yeah, very very tempting. So, um, if you have been looking at an EV, what you know, whatever brand or whatever, get go out there and uh, 
Um, you know, if you've sort of been on the edge of making a decision, now's the time to make your decision. Um, I don't know what stocks are like across different ones. Um, in Singapore, I saw the new Tesla Model 3 Highland, which is about to arrive in uh, in New Zealand, and they were they were touting those all over the place, even uh, even at the the airport where they've got their fancy uh, uh, shopping mall terminal with the big uh, waterfall coming down the the middle. And uh, right in there was was the uh, the Tesla Model Three Highland being shown off. Uh, we were at a, uh, another mall where uh, they they had a um, a little Tesla uh, store as well. So. Um, yeah, they're really they're really pushing that stuff hard. Um, if you are on the the Tesla uh, front uh, and thinking of doing that, then I will just put on to the um, in the podcast notes uh, my affiliate link, which will give you four hundred dollars uh, off if you happen to want to go down that track. Um, it's not a lot, but it makes it makes a difference even on a. Uh, purchase of that sort of uh, scale. Tonight so the pub. Drop that one in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a pretty big night, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, depending on how big your family is. <laughs> All right. Um, on to the other topics. Australia. A couple of things on the Australian front um, that I, I think we, we want to talk about. Um, cyber incident that hit uh, DP World, who, who run um, yeah, a lot of the ports in Australia. I think four of the ports in Australia are effectively you know, shut down yeah. um, by cyber attack. This is a, a you know, a shocking uh, position for a country uh, to be in, right? Where, where, you know, as a country, they, they don't have control of their ports. Uh, you know, they're being run by a company uh, who has, uh, has been able to be hit in this way. But this is the reality of the world we're in now, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's almost certainly a state actor, I understand. Um, look, this... What, what I'm hearing from people who work in this area, and I'm sure there'll be people listening to the podcast who are, who are in this space, but that, in fact, there's this kind of low-level war going on constantly. And uh, a lot of it is just probing things and seeing, well, okay, mm-hmm. so can we shut the port? Oh, yeah, we can. Let's just do mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. show that we can. Um, it's It's terrifying just how... Um, just how pervasive, you know, how much that this can go, how, sorry, how much this is going on. Um, I think that um, we're going to see more of this, um, not less. And um, there's, 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 there's a case for starting to um, air gap certain things that you know, need to be air gapped from the internet. Um, but I'm sure people listening will tell me that's ridiculous and um, you know not practical. But I just think that's we're going to have to start thinking in those terms to be able to do that, um, and and just make sure things like ports aren't necessarily connected that way. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a it's a really hard thing to do. But there are some yeah, elements where that may well be uh, be the appropriate. Approach and uh, also in Australia, the huge Optus uh, outage the yeah. the other day. What a mess uh, to see uh, millions and millions of people you know, million. Im- impacted uh, by the outage. You had yeah. stores who they were relying on the Optus network to be able to F-Bus you know do, do fund tra- uh, transactions. Quite a mess, yeah. and you've got 
you know, Optus being its own by Singtel. Yeah. Um, what 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 part does that sort of play in, well, the, in the picture? What's your what well, are your views quite a here? big one as it, as it turns out. Look, when when this happened, the CEO went public and said that this wasn't to do with a software upgrade. Right, but it turns out that it was to do with the software upgrade. We now know that it was to do with the software mm-hmm. upgrade. But it looks like it looks like that she was probably pressured into saying that by Singtel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what that's how it's been interpreted in the Australian media that that that, that was going on. It it turns out that Singtel's uh, directors of Optus uh, were in the country for this um, event. Which is quite a coincidence because a year ago Optus had a, a cyber attack, um, mm. and the directors of Singtel were in the country for that. Mm, so mm. it's it's curious that both those things. I mean, I think it, that that probably is a coincidence because the directors will be in the country for so many weeks a year mm. anyway. Mm, mm. But um, um, Optus hadn't really gotten over the reputation damage that that cyber attack did either. Mm. So this coming um, a year later. I would imagine that um, their shareholders won't be very happy at all. Yeah, it sounded like quite a mess. Some yeah. you know, routing changes they ended up propagating through the network after a software update and and messed everything up. They were, they were down for around fourteen uh, hours. So yeah, it's a different story if you've got a an hour or two outage that causes some you know some pain well, and so on. But well, the other uh, thing, fourteen you know, hours to to well, resolve. But, but this, if you do a, if you do a router upgrade, surely you do a dry run rather than do it on the live network. I mean, I don't do I, I don't do things like that on my on my production laptop. You know? So, you know what I'm saying here? Um, yeah. Surely yeah. you would have a um, a dry run before you do it on the live network. I think it looks like they might not have done. Well, I guess there is always the exception to the rule or something that they thought they had their head, heads around and were confident that yeah. what they were doing was okay or routine. As it turns out, it just wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I don't think Optus can take another hit like this. I, I think that they will probably be losing customers now as we're speaking. And, um, you know, when it accounts come up for renewal, I'm not talking about individuals, though I think individuals will. I'm mm-hmm. talking about their business clients. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, why would you stick with this after two outages mm-hmm. in two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a, not a good state. Now, um, just a few other things to, to touch on. The actor strike has largely come to an end with a deal to protect their yeah, Hollywood actors from the threats of of AI, I'm not quite sure how this actually, you know, how this plays out, and, and yeah. sort of delved into the, the the details of of the agreements. But look, I think artificial intelligence is uh, is here to stay. We're not going to, you know, we're going to make it go away. But it's also also right that uh, that people should be should be thinking around how how it impacts them and, uh, you know, coming to appropriate agreements. Well, they managed to do an AI version of John Lennon recently for a, to recreate a Beatles song. So there's, I mean, and he's been dead for how many years? 30 years or something. Well, they ha- did have the original recording, uh, they, yeah, did, they I, kind of, but they used AI to mess with it, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. And, I, and, I, and there's stories about Harrison Ford being um, revived, who's now in his 80s, 
as some Indiana Jones using AI. So I think yep. Yep. I think the technology is there. I think it's going to mm. be used. Yeah. But yeah. the but the thing that I think I, I and, and whilst I think this victory for the actors is you know is, is good and I'm pleased for them and I'm mm. sure they're happy and so on. Mm. Mm. I'm sure also that the studios are going to want to create their own stars that are not necessarily New characters, human. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So they'll like create a star, and that's that star's going to be 21 or 35 or whatever forever, and it will keep on coming back. I'm so, sure. So that's, there's no need to use AI yeah, to de-age because you've yeah. created everything in AI, and uh, yeah. and you can yeah you can and, control and, that. And for that reason, there might not be any new stars coming through the Hollywood system. But at some point, that's going to happen. Well, that sounds terribly yeah. sad. I know, but it's you know you can have you can use some AI to build someone, or you can have some human who's you've got to pay a lot of money to. I think I know which way they're going to go. <laughs> well, we we definitely have change, changing times ahead, and uh, I guess I'm 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 hopeful we'll we'll land in the right direction. And you know, to me, that means using the technology where appropriate, yeah. and using people where where appropriate, that, and, that and it is it is a changing world. Is something that I've been thinking about that for the best part of forty years about where it is and isn't appropriate. Um, sometimes I see things at the moment. I think it's probably a sign that I am getting old. I see something. I think that's not really an appropriate use of technology. I mean, we could talk about crypto. <laughs> it's, but you know what I'm saying? It's there's, mm, there's sometimes mm, you see mm, something, you think, well, that's not necessarily the best way of using technology. Mm, but it's going to be done. Yep, yep. You can do it, they'll do it. Court cases, there's a bunch of things going on. Um, Epic Games, uh, yeah, oh. Fortnite Maker. You know, they didn't do well against Apple, but they're, they're having a go at Google um, um, and, and that's in court. Any thoughts on that? Yes, I have, right? Here's, here's a cracker, right? Google, it turns out, right, that this court case revealed that Google pays 36% tax to Apple to get the search engine on phones and, and Macs and so on, right? Yes. So, yes. If it's, so if Google is happy to pay 30%, let Apple clip the ticket for 36%, then app developers and game developers and so on ought to be happy to, for um, the likes of Apple and Google to clip their ticket for 30%, right? Because let's, let's face it, before they, before they were the app stores, they would have had to distribute these things into shops like Noel Leamings and so on on disks, which cost, and retail margins were better than generally better than 30 Thirty percent on these things, mm, mm. so they're making far higher margins than they ever were, and that's just not good enough for them. They 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 want more. Sure, I mean I do think that the Apple and Google's thirty percent margin sounds a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the but these companies, Epic's getting a bargain mm, from from mm, it. Mm, they're getting mm, they're, they're mm, getting mm. billions of dollars, and and they wouldn't be able to get billions of dollars without those stores. So I think they really want to have their cake and eat it. Those guys. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. That's um, yeah. I think something that that yeah, you could really kind of debate that from from both perspectives. But I I you know I think um, it is important to yeah you know, to recognise that they do bring something to the table. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's it's far from it's far from being nothing. Uh, and and you know it is appropriate to pay, but. Yeah, it's really hard uh, to, I guess, probably, you know, I'm not sure you ever could uh, agree on 
what would be the appropriate sort of you know per- percentage because I think you know there 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 are going to be lots of different opinions on well they've grown it to that sort of scale look a five to ten percent is is sort of fair um, you know and and others might say well a fifty percent could be fair from some perspectives in terms of the amount of you know people that uh, that that yeah, get uh, I, they get to see these things yeah I mean I'm. It, it sounded like I was defending the stores, and I'm not really. I'm just saying that it's there's a logic there that hmm. that that. I mean, personally, I think 30% is asking too much, but I can see why they think they, you know, I, I can see why they would and why they would defend that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the 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 nub of this case, and I think the nub of the cases that have been uh, that are either queued up or happening with Apple is that they. At some point, they're going to actually have to allow alternative um, stores, and I'm not sure. I mean, because because they have a monopoly. But the thing is, is they they kind of do have a monopoly, but they kind of don't also because it, it's optional. You don't have to buy an iOS device, so you don't have to buy a, um, an Android device. You can, there are other options. There are other ways of playing Fortnite. So um, you know. It's a diff- it's a really difficult area. Mm. I'm mm. glad that there are some really well paid lawyers arguing these things, and not us. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we'll have we'll we'll have uh, we'll have our go um, as well. Well, that's probably all we can uh, we can squeeze in for for this uh, week, Bill. But it's been really great to uh, catch up. Thank you for joining me back on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, remind welcome. listeners where they should be uh, going to, uh, um, to to get your newsletter. Yeah, I'm on billbennett.co.nz. That's the place to find me. I am still on Twitter, but I don't really go there much anymore. It's not such a useful place for, for my purposes. So the hub really is now the website. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, well, good to catch up. Thank you, Bill. And, of course, thank you to our show partners, Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark, 2Degrees and 1NZ. Uh, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again next week. And, uh, yeah, we've got a, f- a fair bit to squeeze in between now and Christmas and more hands-on with, with technology and, and talking about some of those technologies and, uh, and some other interesting uh, guests. So we'll look forward to catching up again next week. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you then. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.